What's going on, everybody? This is Colin with... Hey, guys. It's Elliot. And today we're super excited to have Matthew. Uh, actually, geez, I should have asked you before, Matt, how to pronounce your last name. How do you pronounce your last name? Marquart. Marquart. Right on. So um, if those of you that aren't familiar, just take a look at uh, any of his results and you will see him up at the very top. Uh, so uh, super impressive uh Short career here so far, but uh, can't wait to dive into learning a little bit more about you here. Yeah, um, thanks so yeah, much for having me. Yeah, do you want to give us a quick kind of bio about yourself here? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm Matthew Marquardt. Um, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, uh, where I go to medical school at Ohio State University. I grew up in Cincinnati, where I kind of did every single sport um, you could imagine, but really focused on swimming which took me to Princeton University for college. And then from there, I went to med school. So that's kind of like the path. And I started triathlon, uh, I guess, about a year and a half ago um, because the COVID pandemic canceled my final swim season. And one oh, of my teammates okay. was doing a race. And so I decided that I might as well do something as well to give me something to train for and to make sure that I didn't get too out of shape for graduation. Um, which was the real motivation and uh, kind of started training and saw some really good results and then just kind of did it was like, oh, I'll do one more race and then I'll be done because I need to focus on medicine. And then that just has kind of continued to happen. And uh, amazing things have have like happened over the past season in particular. And and so, um, so yeah, so here I am. <laughs> here I am as a triathlete and a medical student, which is a path that I never thought um, that I'd be like on, but super excited um, about everything that's happened and also like where things are going to go next. So. Very cool. So, and yeah, so when we say success, so uh, we were talking briefly, Elliot and I, before having you on and the only race you haven't won is 70.3 worlds where you got third. Is that right? Every other race you've done, you've won, right? For this well, year, yes. th this, this year, yeah, this I year, had, two, year, I, right, I had right. two second places um, last year. So. Okay. so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll read off the results like for this year. I yeah. mean, you won Ironman Texas. You Which won is your first Ironman and you did yes. what was your time again? I was 8.23. 8.23 in your first Ironman. Okay. <laughs> uh, you won 70.3 Eagle Man yeah. with time of 3.49. You 349. won uh, Ironman Lake Placid in 8.25. Yeah, a very challenging course in 825, <laughs> which was actually, what did you put that, you were, what place including the pros on that? So I was fourth among the pros, and I was only like a minute fourth and a half back from third. <sighs> and you didn't have the advantage of actually racing with them, too, like in the packs and things like that. So who knows what could have happened if you were actually out there with them. So We'll we'll save the inevitable question for the end here, maybe a little bit uh, later. But uh, yeah, I think that's coming here. Okay, uh, cool. And then um, what was it after that? Elliot? Let's. Uh, it was only a couple more. Yeah, I mean, no big deal. He won. Uh, he won his age group in uh, Hawaii. Yeah. What were you? Became overall? an Ironman world champion, first time in Hawaii. And what were you? I was the top. Here? I was the top amateur for my day. Oh, yeah. nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so you, so you, you raced on, on Thursday. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How did you yeah, how did you like that? Going didn't you have to go last that day? Yeah, so I think I passed like 
three or four thousand people over the course of the day. So that was, you know, that kept it interesting, I guess. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> and, and then, then uh, the season, yeah, third, right? Last right. week, you got third in uh, St. George, 70.3 worlds, which, which did include a few challenges, if I read correctly, right? Yeah, a few, a few more than I would have liked, but yeah, you know, it happens. It does. And, you know, just shows how incredible you are to still be on the podium with the, that kind of stuff. So we could talk about that more. So very cool. So, so let's, let's get into a little bit more about, so you said, you know, growing up, you were doing all kinds of different sports. So like, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, growing up in high school, we'll just take high school. Um, I was a 13 sport varsity athlete um, across five different sports. Um, I will admit it helped that my school had a no cut policy, but it still meant that I ha did uh, multiple sports in the same season at times. Um, so I did soccer, lacrosse, swimming, track and cross country across my time in high school. And really everything was kind of just, I think, for the greater purpose of swimming. That was, I think, freshman year of high school. It kind of became apparent that um, I might have a future as a collegiate swimmer. And so that was really the main focus, but my family has a big philosophy of doing multiple sports as a way to not burn out. Um, and, you know, just keep the love of different sports for doing them. And, but I think, you know, that's, that's played out very well for me. Um, I think in terms, so that's kind of where the biking and the swimming came from, or sorry, the running and the swimming. But then I was on a bike from a pretty young age. My parents, you know, got me a, road bike as pretty much as soon as we could um and would go out on rides with them on the weekends and stuff and so kind of had a a long base of cycling uh but i had never really raced cycling before until this past year so that's been kind of very interesting to see that develop and you know the improvement curve has been really fun um after so many years swimming it's been fun to like improve in something and and you know see really big gains instead of just marginal gains so yeah, incredible. And I, seeing how you ended up at Princeton, I'm imagining you kept a decent GPA as well. Yeah, <laughs> this guy uh, can do we'll everything. I'm a, no, I'm a, no, I'm a yeah, little bit yeah. of a nerd. It's okay. <laughs> Good for you, man. It's paying off. That's fantastic. Um, so, what did you uh, what did you focus on for swimming at, at Princeton? Yeah, so I was a uh, backstroke and butterfly. So my kind of bread and butter was the 200 backstroke in particular. I qualified for the Olympic trials in 2016 uh, for for that race. And, and yeah, so it's been a big adjustment going from backstroke to exclusively freestyle. But, um, you know, it's not the path that a swimmer normally takes. Normally you do shorter stuff as you get older, not longer stuff. But I guess I've just decided to take the opposite route. Yeah, for sure. Incredible. So, all right. So, you decide you do want to do like a triathlon. So like, have you ever done, have you done any like Olympic and sprints or anything like that or only long course? Yeah. So I like around freshman year of high school, I did a couple local like sprint races. Okay. Um, but like I did like a couple between like right before freshman year of high school. And, but then again, it was just like swimming was the focus. And so it didn't really have time. Didn't really work out well with the swimming schedule to do all those other things. Um, so kind of put it on the back burner and thought, you know, okay, yeah, maybe I'll come back to the triathlon one day when I'm like 30 or 40 or something like that. Um, so never really expected to be back this soon. And it's, you know, or, or to be doing Ironmans um, 
like at this time. So it's been just super fun to see, like, you, you know, a year ago, I don't think that I'd ever done a, a run over probably, well, probably not over 13 or 14 miles at this point. And now it's like, when we were building up to Kona and everything, it's like, oh, 20 miles, like on a Sunday, like what's new? <laughs> yeah. Incredible. So, right. So you're obviously, you're, you're in grad school. I'm sure you're putting in uh, a lot of time with that here. Right. Um, and then like, what is, let's, let's dive into your, your training a little bit here. So like, how, what, what, what would you say, like tra- uh, volume wise, like, what do you, would you say a typical week is looking like for you? Yeah. So, um, right now we're like, well, in school, we're kind of, I think right around 17 hours a week of things. Uh, over the summer, we, we actually, believe it or not, you have one summer break during med school. So I have now officially had my last summer break before retirement. Um, and during that time we, we bumped it up to like 22, 25 hours a week, just because I had a little bit more time, but yeah, during med school, 17 is kind of 17 to 20 is kind of where you push it. Um, and that's, you know, like three or four swims a week, uh, probably three or four runs and like three or four bikes. Um, so yeah, I've been like really, really fortunate to have such a phenomenal coach. And so I do very little thinking when it comes to my training, I just look at my training peaks, um, at the beginning of the week and figure out where I'm going to fit the workouts in and my crazy schedule. And then I just do it and I, you know, trust that the results will come. So, and so far they have, so that's been really nice. Yeah. And your coach is, uh, Andrew Yoder, right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, man, I will say in compliments to him and his team here, like, especially this year, I've noticed a ton of Yoder kits out there and, uh, really seems to be doing really well. So that's awesome. So sure. It doesn't hurt having a guy like you uh, representing here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. Um, so how did you end up kind of connecting with him and did you have a coach like right off the kind of the get go or tell us more about that? Yeah. So the connection was super, I guess, by chance, if you will, um, which just, I think makes it that much more special is so my teammate who signed up for a race, it was from before me, it was from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. And yeah. when COVID happened, he went back home and, uh, and had just kind of started a team somewhat recently. And it was the only way for my teammate to get pool time. And so he started training with them, um, mainly for the swimming and then got interested in the triathlon aspect of things. And we lived together in the fall and he was doing triathlon training since we didn't have a swim season and just said super good things about Andrew. And so when I decided to um, sign up for a race, I at first was like, Oh, like I'm just going to do one, like just for fun. And um, so, you know, I would, I was like, I'll just train myself. I don't want to pay for a coach. And so I'd get on the trainer or go out for a run and go like as hard as I could for like 30 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever it was. And then I would do my swim practices, um, which I was training with the team at that point. <laughs> and then like two weeks in, I was like, you know, I don't really think this is the way to go. Um, <laughs> and so decided that I wanted to have a coach and uh, my teammate put us in contact and like, you know, we've been working together ever since. And it's gone really well, especially like, you know, we're, I'm not based in Lancaster. So that was something that I had to adjust to. I've never had a virtual coach before. Um, as a swimmer, you would never, ever have a virtual coach. That just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so it's, uh, but it's gone, it's gone super well. You know, we just communicate a lot and, um, you know, debrief like as much as we can and, and it works out. So. Very cool. That's great. So with your, you know, your swim being your strength there, I mean, I guess even, so did you, did you, was it always though? I mean, I guess if you were Olympic trials, you know, qualifier there, it was probably focused on swimming, but like, was your, were you quite strong running as well in cross country or stuff like that in high school too, or? Um, I would say that was okay. Um, I would never have said that I, like my run has gotten substantially better in the past okay. year, like surprisingly better. <laughs> um, cool. so like, I think, you know, I was, I was kind of near, you know, there's different divisions in Ohio and my school is super small. So, um, we were in like the small, the lowest division, if you will. And I was able to qualify for, for state and cross country, um, my senior year. So like, there's definitely a base, but like, I never would have considered myself like an elite runner. Um, and I think we're getting close, closer and closer to that. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Heck yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So like, are you doing for those three to four swims? Are those like typically an hour or so, or like what kind of volume would you say you put in swim less? Yeah. Um, about an hour each time and we'll do, you know, four or 5,000 yards a time. So just get in, get out. <laughs> they're yeah. definitely not as, as, they're definitely not as interesting as, or not as fun as kind of the workouts I used to do because I do them all alone now, but um, that's just kind of what you have question. to do. Okay. So yeah, it's yeah. all pretty much solo swimming now. Yeah. Yeah, it just it's like I every now and again I'll have someone join me. Um, but just as a medical student, my schedule is really kind of variable, and it I just like it takes too much time. <laughs> it takes too yeah. much time to try and coordinate with people or or go to a place. So I'm really fortunate. There's a pool like a five minute bike ride away from where I live, and so um just use that even though it means that I can't train with other people. And is it mostly freestyle sets? And do you kind of have any kind of like benchmark workouts that you that you do in the pool to kind of see where you're at that you'd yeah. like to share with us? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, I don't really have any benchmark workouts, I guess. Um, I, I think that's one thing that's great is that we do, by and large, he keeps it different all the time, um, which I think I really appreciate. I've definitely trained with coaches in swimming before that We'll have very regimented cycles where you do test sets all the time. And I really did not like that because I don't know. It just, I didn't like uh, always kind of having the pressure of like needing to see every single time that you're improving in the pool, if that makes sense. Like, I think I do much better with getting the work done and then just trusting that things are going, <laughs> going well. Like if I follow the workout and I execute the workout, trusting that that will do better. And, and so, um, I guess I'd appreciated not necessarily having specific sets. And then, yeah, it's only freestyle because the pool that I swim in has a uh, slanted, not a slanted, but the beams on the ceiling are like diagonal to the pool. And so it's really hard to do backstroke without running. Playing the pinball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Um, cool. So, yeah, I guess I was also going to curious about, you know, so backstroke, uh, you know, different stroke and you're, you know, adjusting to freestyle more. But um, how do you feel like as a lifelong competitive swimmer that translates to open water and like what have you changed anything with your stroke or like what are your kind of thoughts around that? Yeah, so, I mean, f like physically it, it translates very well, I would say overall, like 
I mean, we growing up, yeah, I focused on 200, but growing up, I would do like 5,000, 6,000 yards um, on average per practice. And there were some practices where we do close to 10,000, honestly, as a swimmer. And so doing a, you know, a 4,000 yard Ironman swim is not necessarily physically more challenging. Um, I think the bigger thing has been the mental side of it in particular. Like I've my entire life, I've never swum basically maybe more than 10 minutes at a time at a hard effort. But most of my training was focused on like two or three minute efforts. And if it's a really hard set, you touch the wall and you get like maybe two, three, four, five seconds rest. But like that's still more than zero. <laughs> and so like even those micro rests um, were really nice. And so that's been the thing that I think struggled more. It is like basically realizing during the swim, you know, there's going to be probably at least one time on the swim, even in a half distance, which, you know, like for me is relatively short, I guess there's going to be at least one time where I'm going to be like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. Um, even with my swimming background and that's more, but like, I know that physically I can do it. And so it's just kind of knowing mentally that like that thought is going to happen probably at least once a race and just being like, okay, this is going to happen and everything will be fine in the end and just pushing through it. So. Yeah. So you swam going off of Kona here, you swam 49, 58, so just under 50 minutes. Where, did you swim with a group primarily? You're kind of totally focused on your own thing. And then like, what would you consider that like effort wise you went at? Yeah. I mean, overall, like I, the swim, I take the swim pretty easy. Um, like relatively, uh, my heart rate's definitely still elevated during it. Um, like it's the highest my heart rate is during the entire race, but really? in terms of okay. like, yeah. Um, but in terms of like, I think perceived effort, it's, not quite as high. Um, I think especially that Kona swim, I felt really good. I've kind of realized that I'm definitely more of a, a swim skin type of a swimmer than a wetsuit swimmer. Um, yeah. and so, you know, like, I think we saw that at St. George, like this year was a wetsuit last year it was a swim skin and I was only like five seconds faster this year in the wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that means that I need a new wetsuit, one that fits me a little bit better, or maybe it's just that, uh, you know, you know I, how to swim. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's that's exactly it, right? I mean, I'm not surprised there at all because you have such great body position overall that you don't need the wetsuit, right? You know, right. so, but but you're right. I mean, I guess I'll tell you this, you know, like even, I don't know what kind of wetsuit you have or, you know, the, the more expensive the fancy wetsuits don't always necessarily mean you're, you're going to be faster in them, right? You know, it's where the buoyancy is and what fits you properly and stuff like that. So they're very well, could be some, you know, some time there if you were able to, you know, switch up the suit and stuff, so. Maybe something you want to explore, but I I don't have your say. What did you what did you swim at St. George? Um, I was like twenty three fifty something. Um, yeah, and I was like twenty. So I was like twenty four swim, huh? Twenty four <laughs> flat last year. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean dur during it during it, I do I pretty much for these races, I pretty much focus on solo, going solo. Um, and I think that you know really came to be apparent in. Uh, Kona like just like you know a, a guy went 47 on the swim and yeah. but then I caught him within like the first hour of the bike and so like yeah maybe I could have held on to him but like you know would that have been the best use of energy um, overall and so um, yeah I think racing as an amateur it's just kind of like the focus is on us racing as solo um, and frankly you know I lost that guy in Kona there are so many people 
that like I couldn't keep track of them. And so after like maybe like five minutes, I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm just on my own, just going to do my own thing. And um, it was kind of the same thing with St. George and, and really every other race this season is just focus on racing your own race. Um, and yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, when we get to asking you that question towards the end, I think uh, the strategy definitely has to change. And I think that's, that's a big thing. And, you know, when I look at people considering making the jump, you know, professional, like you have to be able to swim well, right. You have to be able to get with that, you know, first or second pack. If you're serious about, you know, being in consideration for, you know, a win, you know, because if you're not back there and you're trying to make it an isolated, you know, solo effort, it's usually not going to work out very well. Right. You know, so um that makes total sense you know but as an age grouper absolutely you know so cool well, all right what would so, be your main advice okay. for uh someone so i mean i've always tried to be i mean i've worked really hard in the pool i've gone to masters i've taken swim lessons i mean both colin and i started swimming it in our mid-20s so i mean i remember i couldn't even swim down the length of a pool without i mean i just didn't know what i was doing i mean is it possible to get to your level and what kind of advice would you give someone who really wants to improve and get that, get that time down? And I just kind of feel like I'm kind of plateaued and I'm kind of out of ideas of kind of making yeah. the next step in the water. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great, great question. And I don't feel like I have a super good answer on because I mean, like with, with me, like there's, there's, like for, I don't really think age has anything to do with it. I think it more has like the amount of time you've spent in it. And like for my medical school applications, like I like added up all the time. And I think like in college, I spent like 4,000 hours swimming or doing swimming related things. And so, I mean, it's 20, 25 hours a week for four or five years in college alone. And then add that to high school and then add that to middle school. And, you know, you aren't doing 20, 25 hours a week as a 12 year old but you know you get the idea (laughs) and so it it it, it's like I just have a huge base under me that kind of enables uh, you know kind of muscle memory built up muscle over time as well um I think like but I will say I think one thing that probably gets overlooked is just focusing on technique in particular um where like I, I see that as myself like where there have been times I think especially since I've started swimming alone where like you know, I'll notice kind of a general drop, like I won't be as fast. And then I'll be like, okay, like, let's think about technique a little bit. Like, am I, you know, grabbing the water properly? And, you know, am I really having the best form that I can? And then generally it'll fix it and like things will get better. And so I think that's probably an area of just like, you have to, you have to train smart um, as well as train hard, I think is the biggest thing. Um, and that is where like having a coach as someone who's not a swimmer is something I think is really valuable. Um, like if I was not a swimmer and I was training on my own, that would not be a recipe for success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you gotta have someone who can be like, okay, your arm's not quite right. Um, you know, things like that. So, yeah, oh, I just oh, feel like, you know. yeah, it's a, out of all the aspects of the sport. I mean, you could work your ass off on the run, you could work your ass off on the bike and you will see gains, but if your technique isn't right in the water, it's just, you can actually kind of go backwards, which I've seen and it's it's an interesting sport which yeah i just i guess i need to spend more time in the pool i guess (laughs) 
Well, I, I, what I was going to say there is um, I did swim faster than you in Hawaii. So if you need any <laughs> advice or help with that, um, you know, you, you feel free to reach out to me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, that's an inside joke here, Matt. Uh, he almost always is faster than me in swimming, and I managed to swim a couple seconds faster than Hawaii. So I like to bust <laughs> the chops about it as much as possible. <laughs> uh, but cool. All right. So let's, let's switch over to a little bike talk here. So, um, so have you like you, you said you had a road bike and i guess actually even to that back when you were a kid like were your parents like avid cyclists or anything like that or what what kind of got you into it when you were younger um yeah i would say like weekend cyclists is probably the yeah. best um description I, um where like we would go you know like maybe 20 10 20 miles um like i was on a bike at a really young age like i think when i was really young like 10 11 12 um we did do a couple of longer rides, like 50, 60, 70 miles. But generally speaking, it was around the 10 to 20 mile range, like just during the summer, just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no real kind of end goal besides just like being out there on the bike and enjoying it. And so road biking and mountain biking um, were kind of the two um, nice. that we would do. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, and then when did you get, were you like when you're racing in high school, did you have a tri bike or were you on a road bike? Yeah. So for those, I was on a road bike um, and with just like clip on arrow bars. And so it's like, it's funny to look back on it because like, even then, like I would, I would get out and it'd be a sprint triathlon and I would like get out first out of the water and then we get passed by a bunch of people on the bike and I'd be like, you know, darn it. Like I'm trying so hard. Like, why are these guys going so fast? Like they're just old. <laughs> um, but like, I'm like riding like an aluminum frame road bike with aluminum wheels and like an endurance geometry. Uh, <laughs> and so like, it's kind of fun. Like didn't even have an aero helmet. Um, yeah. So like, you know, the things like that. Right. Yeah. But then, but then kind of during, during COVID, um, found like uh, finally upgraded my bike. So just a nicer road bike. And that's kind of where I started. And then really the first two races that I did last year, which was 70.3 golf coast. And then I also did a relay at Eagle man, um, in 2021, I borrowed people's tri bikes because <laughs> but, like, like I legitimately did not think that I was going to be in the sport long enough to warrant buying a tri bike. And so I just, you know, borrowed people's bikes and for the Eagle Man relay, like we did a fit on the bike the, the day before the race. So <laughs> <laughs> And what what was your split at that? Do you remember? Uh one one fifty nine. Was it really? Holy smokes. <laughs> it was like it was like a low one, it should have been one fifty eight, but I derailed. Um uh, I lost the chain. Yeah, you, you should be ashamed, man, with that one fifty nine <laughs> versus one fifty eight. No, that's it. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. That is absolutely incredible. Um, so like, let's go to that. Like, so was there a power meter on there or like you using power or like, what were for, you doing that? For, for that one, that bike ride did yeah. have a power meter. Um, but were you leveraging it, it or like, I wasn't using it. No, I was yeah. all RP. Yeah. And then we just looked at it like after the race. So yeah, the first, like all of last year was RPE based because I didn't really have a power meter besides like the kicker trainer that I had. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, all right. So then you got a, so you bought a tri bike like earlier this year or. Yeah. I was fortunate and someone, um, passed one down to me. So, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. 
So what I probably see in the pictures. What do you have for a tri bike? I've got a giant. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The Trinity. I mean, it tests pretty well. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. been it's been a great bike for me. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And so let's talk about your your cycling training here. So do you spend a lot of time on the trainer, or do you get outside? Obviously, weather pending, but um, um, tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, so this is where med school, I guess, kind of gets into you know alters the training a, a bit. I do almost exclusively on the trainer. Um, it's a combination of I'll maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get out, out on the road once a week. Um, but just from a pure time saving standpoint, it's way more efficient to do it on the trainer. Um, and also, you know, frankly, in Columbus, it takes about 30 minutes of biking to get to good roads. And so like, and I don't have a car. <laughs> and so, um, it just doesn't, except for like easy recovery rides, it doesn't really make sense to, to do a ride. Um, so yeah, so I do almost everything indoors on a trainer, which has included like five hour rides. Um, which I never thought, never thought I would do, but you know, it's what you got to do at times. And do you yeah, enjoy those? Think, yeah. It took a long time to build up to it. Um, but it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause that, that reminds me like, I don't know if you ever heard this, so you know, uh, he's aging now. So maybe you don't know him as well. Andy Potts, you know, Andy Potts mm -hmm. is right. So he's, you know, swam at Michigan, um, and he actually was really one of the first pros that was spending a ton of time on the trainer. And he said that as a swimmer, you know, being used to in that condensed, you know, pool, right. That he felt most comfortable on the trainer. And like, so he really enjoyed spending time there versus being outside. Uh, so I was curious. Yeah. You know, I guess it didn't, it doesn't sound like it's the exact same thing for you, but obviously you, you do what you got to do. No, but I, I can relate to that a lot. I mean, I think yeah. that, you know, one of the things it's, people have asked me like how do you train alone um and you know i my response is like yes i grew up as a swimmer and i swam on a team but you know especially during those hard practices you don't really talk to people yeah. very much yeah, for two hours and so yeah. you're very much in your head as a swimmer and i think i very much uh enjoy that kind of time alone uh and so being on the trainer or you know going on a run you know, by myself is not really that much different in that regard. It's just time for myself and, and to kind of just disconnect from the world. And so I, I definitely, uh, definitely don't mind, uh, you know, doing it. And yeah, the trainer is definitely monotonous, but also is looking at a black line for many hours. So <laughs> there's yeah. definitely lots of similarities. <laughs> yeah. And are you on any you kind of platform? Are you using yeah. Zwift and are you watching TV or at least listening to music? Well, yeah, I listen to music and that's it. Um, okay. I've it would ideally, I guess, you know, watch lectures or something like that. But I've just found that it, I don't really absorb much, um, which I think is good because it kind of like I, I just focus more on, you know, the form and making sure that I'm hitting the right cadence and the right heart rate and, and kind of like feeling how things are going. Uh, during those workouts instead of trying to distract myself. So I, I, at most I do music on the trainer. Um, and then yes, I'm on Zwift um, mainly because we'll do uh, virtual group workouts, especially once it gets cold, which has been really nice. And so, um, yeah, we'll do, do Zwift a little bit. And I guess that, you know, provides a little bit of entertainment as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So what's, uh, and are you focusing your efforts primarily on power now? 
Yeah, um, kind of. It, we still do a little bit of RPE stuff. It kind of depends. Like swimming is almost exclusively RPE, and then kind of depending on wherever we're at in the cycle, will kind of depend on if it's pace based, power based, or RPE. Um, so yeah. And what's what's your FTP? Let's say there. Yeah, it's still got to be pretty close right there. What's your FTP these days? Yeah, so oh, I actually don't know. <laughs> Right? We actually yeah. don't, okay. we actually don't do FTP testing, which is, I really appreciated. Um, mm -hmm. I think for me, you know, like I had a, I had a long period of time in swimming where I really did not improve and got really focused on hyper-focused on the times that I was going in practice and meets and trying to, you know, extrapolate what that would mean for the rest of the season. And so not really having specific test sets or specific metrics like FTP has actually been great for me because again, it just means I can just focus on executing the workout and not what it means in like a larger scheme of things. And so, so yeah, so, and that's, that's just how he, that's just how Andrew Yoder works. Like we don't mm -hmm. do FTP testing or anything like that. And so I'm just yeah. lucky um, that that's kind of how it worked out. So. Well, but, but he is a lot of times prescribing specific wattages for efforts or no. Yeah. Yeah. So he might know yeah. it, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, pro I mean, what it's hard to say certain you know typically what superior athletes can do is they can spend longer times at closer to their ftp or their threshold and things like that so um but yeah i bet we could get a gauge pretty quickly if we started asking a few, a few numbers and things like that but that's that's fine um that makes sense there cool um and so you know in those what, what how would you say you break up like if let's say you did four rides in a week what what would you say like the the kind of the base of of each workout or type of workout um is typically on those or give us a little more insight into that if you don't mind yeah so generally it would be like two easy rides um and then one long ride um generally on saturday and then one kind of short more intense more interval type ride so the Saturday ride will be kind of longer efforts. That's kind of really where you do your kind of Ironman strength endurance type work, you know, 30, 45 minute intervals um, at various power, depending on what kind of race we're building up to. And then sometimes we'll do bricks with those, you know, in the off season, won't really do that many bricks. Um, and then, on Tuesday, that's more your intensity stuff. So that will be, you know, anywhere between like, we don't really do a ton of these except for the off season, like 10 second efforts up to maybe like eight minute efforts, um, at, you know, above 70.3 effort or above Ironman effort again, depending on what we're looking at. So that's kind of how it breaks down. So those will be like an hour and a half for two hours. And then Saturday will be anywhere between three and a half and five hours. <laughs> And then the other two easy rides are hour and a half to two hours generally. So. And like super easy or like more like endurance? What, what would you kind of categorize that as? Uh, I think they're mm -hmm. easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I also, yeah. I also probably rev more than I should, as he would say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, is it yeah. as easy as like you can get out one of your med books and be reading it while you're on a trainer if you wanted to i mean would you be sweating? yeah i mean i'll i'll yeah i'll sweat a little bit i'll okay. text <laughs> i'll text like you know it's it's not it's like pretty it's relatively low heart rate i would say um i don't really know how to describe it like it'll be like 110 120 heart rate at most okay. um so 
So, and then, um, I totally just lost my train of thought on that here. Um, <laughs> but uh, with uh, that, I was going to say, like, so did you ever do anything more than like five hours? rides um yeah. yeah over this over the summer we did like a six hour ride once or twice yeah. but thankfully for me my bike doesn't last more than like four and a half hours <laughs> right. exactly so that yeah. that actually has been probably one of the biggest benefits one of the biggest helps in terms of balancing uh the triathlon stuff with med school is that since i am faster you don't have to do workouts that are quite as long yeah. Um, that is so, that is a fact, you know. And when people talk about and people get frustrated by the quote unquote fast folks, you know, not putting in as much time. There is a reality is that when you cover more distance, you don't need to do it as long, you know. Right. Um, so, I'm um, not surprised to hear that, but yeah, yeah, makes sense there. So, um, gotcha. Okay. And then, so you said, uh, let's let's shift to the run here. Or you got any other bike questions? Like? I mean, I feel let's like look. I'm doing the same things as him, but I'm not as fast. <laughs> He's got to work harder. No, okay. I'm <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, and I guess you don't do much much testing. Like, have you ever done like a VO2 max test or anything like that? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, so you said your your run is really where you've improved, you know, significantly. It feels like. So, tell us more about your run training. Yeah. So run training is somewhat similar to the bike where it's like two easy, one interval, one long per week generally. Um, and then, but in the winter we do a lot more, uh, treadmill stuff at incline, especially, um, and, or at, you know, really fast pace. And so that's kind of the, the basics of what it is. And then, then, yeah, I do go outside for that. I actually, I don't like the treadmill. So it's kind of the opposite of the bike there is that I'd much rather be running outside. I think it's just a lot easier to kind of get into a rhythm and get into a good flow than being on a treadmill and staring at myself for an hour or two hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. I try to embrace the treadmill. Um, I haven't been on mine in months though. <laughs> you know, uh, there is something we said about being outdoors and I can uh, certainly understand that. So is there anything like, have you, what do you think? Has it just been the consistency of training that's helped you improve the most? Or do you feel like, have you changed anything with like your, your gait or, you know, your form or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think like running form wise, we haven't done a ton of changes. Um, I do have a funky, uh, left arm when I run, if you ever watch me, it looks like I'm swimming. Uh, <laughs> and we've kind of tried to adjust that without much success. Um, but I think, you know, the big thing that I really focused on last winter in particular was cadence. So I've kind of found that right around like 180 to 185 is kind of my sweet spot. And so that's kind of, whereas when I started, I was more like low 170s. So I think that's been a, a big help. Um, and then, and then, yeah, but then overall, it's, it's really just been consistency. I'm like, I'm such a boring case because they're like, no, I don't really feel like there's anything super special um, training wise that I've done. It's just been like, you know, don't miss workouts um, and communicate, get the recovery. Um, so like, yeah, it's hard for me to get enough sleep and I don't necessarily always get as much sleep as I can, but that's definitely a, a huge priority, especially the past couple of months, you know, getting sleep, getting recovery, taking care of my body um with Which, whether that's over just the summer rolling. right must have been must have been easier to do right yeah. yeah 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 um 
And, you know, I think like as well, one thing that I saw with swimming that I really rolled over well with triathlon is that for me, if it's like 15 hours a week, I don't need a ton of recovery. I think that's just benefit of being young. Like, you know, I can stretch a little bit afterwards, but I don't necessarily have to do a ton of additional work. But then once you start pushing 20, 25 hours, that's when you really like, you have to start incorporating naps. You have to start incorporating foam rolling into the day. Otherwise your body will break down and you'll get injured. And so I think that's kind of been another thing that I guess has been a key is just knowing, having that awareness of my body to know like when, you know, when I like really need to be careful and, you know, you know, really take the run super easy if it's an easy run or, you know, when I can push it a little bit more. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think overall it's just like consistency, 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 um, has been the main thing because last year I, you know, I was still training with Andrew, but was all over the place. Like I graduated college, I did a mountain biking road trip and then like I started med school. And so I was like all over the place and we saw like improvements, but, you know, really over the winter when I really got regimented, um, that's really when we saw the the big improvements. So. So, yeah. So with that consistency, like what, how far do you take that? Like, do you like literally like get every single workout in or like, um, tell us more about like how consistent you've been? Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the yeah. goal is, is, you know, to get every single workout in, um, you know, it, sometimes I can't, like, sometimes like work is too much or, you know, s s things come up and, and you're not able to. And I think it's like, you know, sometimes I'll try and make it up the next day, even though I'm not supposed to, <laughs> um, or, or, you know, or you just are like, okay, like that's one, but you're not going to miss the next day. So like, don't miss two days in a row, I think is a key. Also, I'm lucky in that I can't, I think I start to go crazy if I <laughs> don't work out at least like once every two days. So I have that going for me and, um, but yeah, it's just, it's making it a priority. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, everyone asked me like, how do you do triathlon with med school? And, you know, the two main priorities in my life are like getting the workouts done and studying and everything else comes secondary to that. Um, and so, yes, that means that I have to make sacrifices on some other ways, you know, like maybe I can't, you know, go out and be social as much, but then you just try and make up that social time in other ways. Um, so that, you know, in, you know, whether that's being during workouts every now and again, I do have a friend join, but also there's other ways to be social besides staying up till 1am. So. <laughs> oh, exactly. Right. You certainly figured out that out a lot sooner than I did, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's what it is. That's kind of what I like to say too, right? There's three priorities in my life, right? There's family, there's work and there's triathlon. Yeah. And that's the way I like it, you know? And so is there a lot of other things that I'm doing? No, not really, but I'm totally good with that. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's awesome. And, uh, very, uh, you know, incredible again for you to, to be doing that at such a young age. And, um, you've just been successful, uh, all along here, which is, which is really awesome. So, um, so yeah, like so, where do you see? Let's uh, let's just throw that question out there. Like, are we are we going pro next year? Like, are you planning to go pro? Like, what's what's your thoughts there? Yeah, one hundred percent. St. George was my last race as an age grouper. Um, yeah. It's been a good ride. So we got you in just in time here. We don't allow <laughs> pros on the on the show, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, so very yeah. Cool. It, it, being you know being an age grouper was great, but I'm ready to to race against the best and and see what see you know what i can do against like the best in the world so 
think that's been one of the biggest frustrations of this year is, I mean, I never expected to have the improvements that I did, but I think it's been super frustrating to be like, well, you know, if only I had been able to go off with, you know, with the pros or, or, you know, be not be an hour and a half behind them when I start, you know, it would be interesting to see where I place. And so really excited to, to just, you know, see where I stand um, against the best of the best. Ah, uh, that's awesome! Congratulations. I think it's uh, uh, I would say a no-brainer. I mean, you know, certainly with your, you know, your aspirations in the medical field, right? You know, um, you know, who knows what you could do? But I'd say in reality, you probably make more money in your medical world than you are going to ever in triathlon. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, but how much more time do you have left in school? Uh, depends on how much you consider school. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't decided okay. a specialty. So if I take the longest of the long route, it will be 11 more years. <laughs> wow. Okay. But All you right. know, when you include residency and everything, so I've, I've, after this year, I have two more years of medical school and then residency, which I'm interested in surgical subspecialties, either like probably head neck cancer or neurosurgery. And so that will, you know, take anywhere between like seven and nine years, um, depending on exactly what path I decide to take on, on top of what I've already done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, is that, that's, I guess, another question too. Like even, you know, what are you, are you working at all? Or like do your parents help you out or like, how have you gotten to the races and uh, manage that stuff as of, as of, you know, or as of late, late here? Yeah. Yeah, no, great question. Um, you know, I think I've been really fortunate with a lot of people that have helped me out along the way. Um, you know, I've had a lot of support for gear, um, which has been huge and like airline miles as well. And so it's really, you know, I think, and you know, one of my posts, I said, you know, triathlon is, it's not an individual sport, it's a team sport. And, um, I think that's just so true. And that like, I, I couldn't do what I would do without, you know, there's probably 20 people at least behind me that have helped me out over the past year and a half get to where I've been. And so there's, there's been a lot of support there, um, which has been super fortunate. And then I also have um, some support from the James cancer center, um, which helps cover some of the racing costs and stuff like that. Um, And super excited to continue to work with them uh, throughout kind of next year and and beyond, because, you know, I think one of the things that I really want to do as a pro is, you know, and I guess I've started as an amateur is just how can I use triathlon is a sport to make a difference. And, um, you know, I really love to, you know, cancer is something that's been near and dear to my heart, I guess. Um, and then I've had multiple family members and friends kind of battle cancer. And so, you know, raising awareness about that, about cancer screening and also just like living a healthy lifestyle is something that I'm really interested in. Um, and also helping raise money for cancer research is something that like, I really want to try and leverage triathlon to do um because it's such a great community and i think there's such a a great opportunity to do something more than just race so yeah that's incredible good for you uh that's really awesome here so does that mean like what's your kind of overall strategy i mean things change right when you take your pro license you can race basically as much as you want right doesn't i mean you got to get get there right but uh are you going to plan to kind of really try to race and just kind of gain that, that professional experience or like, you know, target, you have like any idea on what your plans are for next year? Yeah. So we're still kind of trying to figure them out a little bit. Um, you know, med school adds a, a layer of complication to everything. And so I have to take my first major licensure exam in the spring and you, you there's not like a set date for that. So that will impact, you know, what race I do first. 
Um, we're targeting Ironman Texas um, as my first pro race, but like if I have to delay the test or whatever, um, that might not be in the cards. So it's, it's kind of a little up in the air. We're still going to try and stick to a schedule similar to what I did this past year, I think. So like, what would that be? That would be like three full distances and maybe two um, 70.3s is kind of around where we're going. And you, you have to, I still have to schedule around school. So, um, yeah. you know, like, you know, these races, they take a lot of time. And so, you know, being gone for seven days is, is a, is a big time commitment. So I have to be really careful in terms of figuring out races that are competitive and, you know, will be beneficial from an experience standpoint as well as that play to my strengths um, with kind of those other, I guess, more, I don't want to say real life, but those kind of other factors um, as well. So <laughs> it's not a completely blank slate of what I choose to do next year. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, and that is the beauty of being a pro too, right? Is you can sign up, you know, super close to races and you don't have to right. have that set. So no doubt. Um, totally shifting gears is stuff I kind of want to ask about now that kind of reminded me of. Um, so you've done uh, three Ironmans now, right? Like how was, was, Kona, like, tell us, like, your your experience with Hawaii and, like, those elements and, like, was it what you expected? Was it harder? Like, what are your thoughts on the Kona kind of experience and the elements of that? Yeah, so Kona was awesome. It was really difficult. <laughs> um, I mean, the, sw the swim was great. The swim was, like, my favorite swim ever um, because, like, you can just see down to the bottom the whole way. And so that makes it a lot more interesting. So the swim, the swim was very enjoyable. Um, the bike was, was definitely a little challenging with the wind. Although like, you know, frankly, Texas was potentially harder, um, wind wise. Like when I did Ironman Texas last year, we had 25 mile per hour headwinds going one way and 25 mile per hour tailwinds the other way. And like that race was harder, I think from a, a wind standpoint than, uh, Kona was. So like I had that going in and then, like what was so difficult about Kona, I think really was the run and the heat that you experience on the run. And that was, that was definitely tough. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing that was, was rough um, was just kind of where I was at mentally, like going into the race. So I had a, a final exam a week before the, um, before Kona and was pretty, uh, it was like very, very difficult leading into that exam. And so I was like somewhat burnt out a little bit. Um, and so then had to turn around and get to Kona and race. And so I think mentally Kona was really tough, especially on the run. Like, like basically like at like mile three of the run, I was like, Oh gosh, this is going to be rough. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, so I mean the, the elements of Kona were definitely, definitely challenging and, um, but I, I did feel ready for it. I mean, I think that was the beauty of, yeah. you know, doing play, Lake Placid, super hilly bike course and run course. Texas kind of had similar elements of the heat, but obviously you can't, you can't really prepare for the sun. I think that was the biggest thing that was so different about Kona. Like, you know, it's baking sun. There's zero, zero shade anywhere on the course and, you know, you're on pavement and you just, no matter what, you can't get enough water on you to cool you down. So I think that was kind of the, the most challenging aspect of it. And, and yeah. it's in October and in Ohio, it was like 30 degrees the week before I left. And then you go to Kona and I'm with you, man. Me too. You go to Kona and it's like 80, 85. And I'm like, well, I only have four days of heat acclimate. So like, this is going to be interesting. 
So you did. So you really didn't do any kind of heat prep at all before the race. Yeah. I mean, we did the best that we could, which is, you know, riding indoors without a fan going on runs um, with lots of layers on things like that. So you do the best that you can, but it's obviously not the same as actually being there in person um, and, you know, having the whole experience. So St. George felt a lot more like home to you. Yeah. <laughs> St. Yeah. George was, was not that cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so going back to Connor real quick. So like, did you know how much of a lead you had on the run? I did. Yeah. Um, so like, do you, you, know, do you I, feel like you had something more in you if you needed it or like, did you still? No. Wanna, <laughs> no. Okay. That race, yeah. no. <laughs> That race, I was totally toast at the end. Um, yeah. The other thing is that, like, I, I had an infection, like, right before the race happened. And so I had, like, 100-degree fever two days before Kona. Um, oh, wow. Where, like, I, like, had to – yeah, I had, like, a wound that got infected and had to take antibiotics. And so um oh, wow. was definitely – you know, I felt fine, but I'm sure I was definitely – I think the run time, we were hoping to be in, like, the 240s. And so I think oh, wow. the runtime really, you know, you definitely see it um, there more so than anywhere else where I little I suffered a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, what's what's going through your mind as you're heading down maybe Polani and like coming in knowing you're about to win your age group in your first time ever in Hawaii? Yeah. And to be um, a world be a world champion. Yeah. I mean, I I wish I could say it was this like phenomenal experience where, you know, super (laughs) joyful, but it was literally just get to the finish line. line. (laughs) Like get get to the line, don't collapse, don't make a fool of yourself. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Very cool. Nice. Um, All right. Well, since you're you're moving on to the pro field here. Like what, what advice? I mean, it certainly sounds like consistency would be something, but like, uh, what do you, what are your recommendations for, you know, amateur athletes here? Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, it's consistency in training, but I also think a huge thing is just understanding your body. I think that's been one thing that's been, you know, I think especially on the nutrition front, that's something that I've like really, uh, done well at is I'm definitely fortunate where I have a stronger stomach. Um, like, I mean, we, when you calculate the numbers, it's a little hard to know, but we think I was pushing like 120 grams of carbs per hour in Kona. Um, and, and, you know, that came out of under, you know, testing, trying different things during training, seeing like, Oh, like how much can we push? Because like last year when I was racing, I would only do like 80 and I would like be dead at the line. And so over the winter, it was like, okay, like, let's try with some more. Let's see how it goes. Um, And, you know, some of it's like, especially Texas, we went in with the plan of doing like 90 grams an hour. But then during the race, like my coach was like, well, like, you're just gonna have to listen to your body. And if you feel like you need more, and you feel like you can handle more, you should take more. And, you know, at Texas, I was like 110 grams an hour of carbs. And so it's like, you know, following a plan but also being able to adjust and depending on how you're feeling um, as you go, as I think is super crucial um, overall. So I think it's kind of like the consistency and just like understanding your body, understanding where your weaknesses are and your strengths are and, and being able to take those signals and and act on them appropriately is kind of the thing that I would say, which I know is a lot easier said than done. (laughs) True. True. No, but I think you're onto something there. I mean, a quick tangent. Yeah, nutrition, I think we're going to see a change in kind of the 
low carb thing for a lot of people, you know, not really being the best, the best solution from a performance perspective. And, you know, there's even some people talking about 150 plus, you know, uh, grams of carbs per hour and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think we're going to see a shift there. Um, but well, it's just uh, funny. I mean, we've been in the sport for a long time. It's just, there's different thinkings all the time. It does swing back and forth yeah, and yeah. you look at like the top of the sport and that's what they're doing. So you're like, Oh, well that must be the only option. But I mean, I really do think it's all individual. And like Matthew said, I mean, it's about consistency and testing. And so, you know what you're doing on race. So you're not really guessing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, when you, when you think about it, like, you know, my calorie monitor says that I burn 8,000 calories during a race and like, I'm pushing a lot and I'm still only getting like 4,000 calories in during an Ironman and you only have 2000 calories worth of glycogen. So you're at a 2000 calorie deficit. So like, it, it just makes sense to push more if you can. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Very cool. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, just incredibly inspirational, like just, you know, in absolute awe of your success and, you know, wish you nothing but the best, uh, you know, representing the USA and the pro field here for us for sure. And uh, can't wait to see what you can do, man. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, been a lot of fun, and you know, hopefully, we'll see you out there next year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So cool. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, watching here. Uh, until next time, we'll talk to you soon.